0: Well, again, pride is marked by self-exaltation, by seeking to bring honor to yourself, putting yourself in in place of the great. This is one of the sins for which that Jesus condemned the Pharisees for. Uh, He said this about the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. They do everything to be seen by others. They love the place of honor at banquets the front seat in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and to be called rabbi by people. They loved the attention of others. Even their service was service to bring honor to themselves. Well, to seek the honor of others, to seek the exaltation of others, this in many ways is at the heart of pride. It is seeking your own glory. I look down at at Proverbs 25, verse 27. It is not good to eat too much honey or to seek glory after glory. The point is that seeking your own glory may taste sweet for a a short time. It may taste sweet for a time like honey. But in the end, like eating too much honey or eating too much chocolate, it will make you sick. One, we often think if someone receives too much praise, it might go to their head. We, we say that if someone receives too much praise, it might go to their head. In other words, it tempts them towards pride or greater degrees of pride. It tempts, it corrupts. But again, think back to the the social media influencer. Well, their influence stops as soon as they stop posting pictures of themselves. They have trapped themselves into a never-ending pressure of seeking glory after glory. They have to maintain their image at all costs. They have to post and post and post and post, or their influence ceases. Friends, it is the same thing. The same thing is true of all who are proud. The more glory you seek, the more pride you have, the more you seek to exalt yourself, the more pressure you have to maintain your image that you have constructed at all costs. Well, friends, in the end, that will make you sick. Well, friends, it is, is worth asking, then, what ways are you tempted to seek your own glory? And what ways are you tempted to seek the praise of others? How do you often boast of your own accomplishments? Look, you might not be a social media influencer. I actually trust that no one in here is a social media influencer. But how do you use social media? Have you become obsessed with posting perfect pictures to get a flood of, of likes and comments to try to show how wonderful your life is to, to everyone, and no matter what the reality might be? My friends, uh, seeking the praise of others may have nothing to do with social media. So let me ask, do you ever encourage others or praise the accomplishments of others or rejoice with others when good comes their way? If you struggle with any of these things, there is a very good chance that your own pride is the reason why. Perhaps you do not praise and encourage others because in your pride you do not find anything praiseworthy about them. You have set yourself so high, you have exalted yourself so high that the accomplishments of others pale in comparison. Perhaps it just simply makes you jealous when others get attention or praise instead of you. You want that glory for yourself. Perhaps you cannot rejoice with with others when good comes their way because in your pride you can only find joy when good comes to you. Friends, one way you can subtly seek the praise of others is to constantly draw attention to your own problems and your own struggles. There's an exaltation by showing how great my life is, but it can be pride to to always talk about your own problems and struggles as well. If you're always talking about your own problems and your own struggles and never asking people about theirs, perhaps it's a way of seeking your own honor or at least seeking the attention of others. friends, when was the last time you asked someone how you might pray for them? And brothers and sisters, pride is a barrier to repentance. If you are proud, if you seek glory after glory, you will struggle to admit when you are wrong, and you will struggle to ask forgiveness of both God, and you will definitely struggle to ask forgiveness of others. After all, you you have an image to maintain. Repentance and seeking glory after glory do not mix. One will make you sick. The other, as the scriptures tell us, will relieve your burdens. Friends, those who seek the glory of men will not receive the glory of God. Pride is marked by self-exaltation. It's marked by seeking glory after glory. On the other hand, those who are humble do not seek to honor themselves. The humble do not seek to honor themselves. Uh, this is what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, the church that struggled with pride and arrogance. Uh, he writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He writes, The purpose of me writing these things to you is that none of you will be arrogant, favoring one person over another. For who makes you so superior? What do you have that you did not receive? In other words, the Apostle Paul is asking that church in Corinth, and he's asking you today, friends, why do you exalt yourselves or boast in your talents or your possessions or your success or fill in the blank with any other thing that you may be tempted to to boast about? Anything that you have is a gift from the Lord. Friends, the the humble recognize that all good gifts come from God. That they are deserving of none of those good gifts that come from the Lord. Isn't this what King Uzziah forgot? It's the Lord who made him strong. It's the Lord who prospered him and gave him success. Yet when he became strong, he grew proud and it led to his destruction. Instead of exalting themselves, the humble give thanks to the Lord for all that they have received. This is fundamentally because the wise and the humble fear the Lord. The the humble see themselves in light of the majestic holiness and the, the glory, the magnificence of God. They see themselves rightly when they see themselves in relation to this great God. They see themselves as sinners in need of God's mercy. The the worth of the humble, their their value, their joy does not come from what others think of them. It does not come from the, the praise of others. They do not make themselves sick by chasing glory after glory. It does not come from their talents or possessions or success. No, the wise, the humble, they are content. We might even say overjoyed by the fact that the God of the universe has loved them and he has adopted them into his family. And friends, this is why the humble sin so easily praise others and encourage others and rejoice with others. This is why the humble are quick to repent. They have no image to maintain. They have no glory to seek. They know that they are sinners in desperate need of God's mercy. They rightly see God for who he is and rightly see themselves for who they are. The gracious recipients of God's mercy and God's love therefore the humble do not seek their own glory. They are content to wait for others to give them praise and honor. And if the praise and honor from others never come, they are content to wait for the Lord to one day exalt them. I love this quote from the great reformer Martin Luther. He wrote this, true humility does not know that it is humble. If it did, it would be proud from the contemplation of so fine a virtue. In other words, friends, if you are sitting here thinking to yourself, I do not exalt myself, I am not proud, I am an extraordinarily humble person, and that's probably the first sign that you are exalting yourself, that you are self-righteous, that you are not humble. True humility does not know that it is humble. If it did, it would be proud from the contemplation of so fine a virtue. Friends, we are all sinners. We all seek our own glory. We are all proud. And as we will think about that is why we needed Jesus Christ. The the second thing that we see about the proud and the humble from Proverbs is that the proud are wise in their own eyes. But the humble do not lean on their own understanding. Listen to these verses. Proverbs 12, 15. A fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. Proverbs 28:26: "The one who trusts in himself is a fool, but one who walks in wisdom will be safe." What does it mean to be wise in your own eyes? At its basic level, it's to think that you are always right means that you have a greater trust in your own wisdom than in the wisdom of God or any other person. So one clear example of being wise in your own eyes is never listening to the counsel or the instruction or the correction of, of others. I mean, Think of King Uzziah who failed to listen to 80 godly men who tried to warn him away from this great sin that he was committing. In his pride, he did not listen. A fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. A number of years ago, when I was a teenager, I got to visit uh, Mount St. Helens. It's a a volcano in the state of Washington in the United States. It was the site of a major volcanic eruption back in 1980, so a little more than 40 years ago now. Well, for a few months prior to its eruption, scientists had a pretty good idea that it was going to erupt. Uh, There was earthquakes, there was other seismic activity, and so they had been warning that an eruption was imminent. Uh, the government, uh, the United States government actually set up a, a danger zone around the mountain and uh, warned everybody to evacuate out of that danger zone. There was actually people who lived within inside that danger zone. Oh, famously, one older gentleman who had lived at the foot of the mountain for 50 years, he refused to leave. Uh, this is what he told reporters who asked him why he would not leave his home that was in the danger zone. He says, I do not have any idea whether it will erupt but I do not believe it to the point that I'm going to pack up. Uh, His stubborn refusal to actually leave, his his belief in his own wisdom because he had happened to live there for 50 years, actually made him something of a a celebrity. It further fueled his pride and probably further hardened his heart and stubbornness to not leave the danger zone. Well, I told you the volcano did erupt, and it did erupt. And the force of the blast from Mount St. Helens was so powerful that it instantly destroyed his home and buried it with him in it under hundreds of feet of debris. He ignored the warnings of others and he perished. While many others listened and they lived. Proverbs 16, 18, pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. And brothers and sisters, just let me ask you, how are you tempted to be wise in your own eyes? Do you always think you are right? Oh, what is your attitude towards those God-given authorities in your life? Yeah, maybe you're constantly questioning authority. My boss does not know what he or she is doing. Things would go so much better if only I were in charge. Uh, Friends, you should probably know that that constantly questioning the God-given authorities in your life is not a huge step away from questioning God himself. God does not know what he is doing. How could he let this happen to me? Things would go so much better if only I were in control. Uh, Friends, it's not as if there is never any time to or any right time to question an authority figure in your life. It's not that authorities are always right, but there can be an attitude of pride in thinking that you are always right, that you are wise in your own eyes. Friends, do you seek the counsel of others before making a a major life decision, before quitting a job or taking a new job, before moving to a new city or a new country, when you face a moral dilemma, before taking out a loan, Friends, if you never seek the counsel of others, perhaps it is because you are wise in your own eyes. And maybe it's part of self-exaltation that you're afraid for others to know the problems you are facing. And maybe it's because you do not need, think you need anyone's help. Maybe it's simply because you don't want to get an answer that you do not like. You want to do what you want to do and you don't want to listen to others who might tell you otherwise. Friends, Proverbs says that there is a safety, there is safety in a multitude of counselors. God puts others into our life, family, friends, parents, certainly the church, to give you counsel. Friends, you're not intended to walk through the decisions of life alone. That is the way of the fool. The proud, the foolish are wise in their own eyes. But more than the counsel of others, you were to listen to the counsel and the instruction of the Lord. You were to submit your life to the authority of God and His Word. Friends, just let me ask you, when was the last time you were convicted by something from God's Word? When was the last time that something that was preached, something that you read as you were reading the Bible on your own, convicted you, that it led you to repent of sin that you saw in your life and seek to change? Friends, when was the last time you were confronted by something from God's Word? If you cannot think of the the last time, perhaps it is because you're being wise in your own eyes. Friends, being wise in your own eyes is pride, and pride is the way of the fool. Well, the humble, on the other hand, well, they recognize that they are fallen creatures, that they are finite creatures. That there is a limit to their understanding and wisdom, that their understanding has been corrupted by sin. And therefore they recognize that they need the wisdom of the Lord first and foremost, but also that they need the wisdom of others. They need the counsel that comes from others. Proverbs eight thirty-three. Listen to instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. And Proverbs three, five through eight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. Uh, Notice in those verses that trusting in the Lord is the opposite of leaning on your own understanding. They are opposed to one another just as fearing the Lord is the opposite of being wise in your own eyes. Brothers and sisters, if you want to be wise and humble, do not trust in your own wisdom. Trust the Lord. Seek to know him more. Have a healthy skepticism of the motives of your heart. Recognize the sin that remains in your flesh. Friends, seek to know more of God's wisdom that is found in his word. God has revealed the wisdom that you need in his word. It is sufficient to to lead you, to guide you, to make you wise. It is sufficient for life and godliness. Brothers and sisters, do not be afraid or too proud to seek the counsel of others in your life. To seek the counsel of others who are godly and wise. And brothers and sisters, if someone does come to you for counsel, be a wise counselor. Do not offer your own wisdom alone, but point them to the word of God. Give them the wisdom of God, a wisdom far greater than your own. Be a wise counselor. The third thing that we see about pride and humility from the book of Proverbs is that pride is a sin. Pride is an offense to God. On the other hand, it is the humble who fear the Lord. So Proverbs sixteen five: Everyone with a proud heart is detestable to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Proverbs 21, 4. The lamp that guides the wicked, haughty eyes and an arrogant heart, is sin. We don't just see that in Proverbs, we see it in other places of Scripture, James 4, 6, which we have quoted a number of times this morning. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Well, in his book, Mere Christianity, the author C.S. Lewis, the author and theologian C.S. Lewis wrote this, the essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Why would C.S. Lewis write that pride is the anti-God state of mind? It's because pride seeks your own glory rather than the glory of God. Pride is to elevate oneself above God. Believe that you are worthy of honor and praise. It's to believe that you are worthy of what belongs to God. To be wise in your own eyes is to think that your own wisdom is greater than that of the Lord. On the other hand, the humble are those who fear the Lord. And to go back to Proverbs 3, 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Proverbs 9:10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, in Proverbs, wisdom is virtually synonymous with the fear of the Lord. The same thing is true about humility. Uh, this makes sense if you, if you think about it. The fear of the Lord at its core or at its most basic level is to recognize who God is and then to recognize who you are in relation to the God of the universe. It's to recognize who God is and then to recognize who you are in relation to God. It's to see God for who he is, high and lifted up, great, majestic, perfect in holiness, righteousness, love, mercy, justice, and then to see yourself in relation to him. He is the creator. You are the creature. He is the ruler. You are the subject. You are not just the subject, but the sinner who rebelled against his authority as ruler. He is the judge. You are the one deserving of his judgment. But if you are a Christian, he is the loving Father who has lavished on you mercy and grace and love, though you were not deserving of any of it. My friends, the, the root of humility is a right view of God. It's the fear of the Lord which leads to a right view of yourself. And that takes us to the, the second point of the sermon, which is the path to humility the path to humility. So we looked at the characteristics of humility, but now how do we pursue humility? Well, friends, we've already considered many distance markers along the path to humility. The path to humility is marked by not seeking your own honor. It's marked by a gratitude to the Lord for all that he has given you, no matter how little, no matter how great. It's marked by not leaning on your own understanding and recognizing your need from the wisdom that comes from above, and even the wisdom that comes from others. It's marked by a fear of the Lord. But above all else, the the path to humility is marked by the gospel. You might say the path to humility flows to and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. A true humility comes by first believing in the gospel, repenting and placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, for Christians, true humility comes by remembering the gospel. It comes by looking to Jesus himself. I turn back with me for a moment to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11 that Juliet read for us a few minutes ago. You can also open your bulletin and find the text of that scripture there. I want to start in, in verse 3 of Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writes this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. What's Paul encouraging in these verses? He's encouraging you to be humble. He tells you a little bit about what humility looks like. It's to consider others as more important than you, to consider their needs before you consider your own. But how are you to do this? How are you to grow in humility? Well, just look at verse 5. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. And friends, you are to adopt the attitude of Jesus Christ. And what was that attitude? Well, it was one of humility. Look at verse 6. Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. Friends, though Jesus has eternally existed as God the Son, though he had all glory and honor from all eternity, he emptied himself by taking on human flesh. And Jesus did not give up any of his divine nature during his time on earth. He did not cease to be God. But God himself became man and for a time gave up the glory of heaven. And why? Why would the God of the universe do this? Why would he come to to live on earth among people like you and me? Friends, he did it out of great love. He greeted it out of great humility. So when you are are tempted to consider your own interest ahead of the interest of others, or count yourself as more important than others, brothers and sisters, think about what Jesus did for you. He did not just become a man. He did not just come to earth. He further humbled himself by dying on the cross, bearing the penalty of sin for all those who would repent and believe. Brothers and sisters, if you wanna be humble, Look to the example of Jesus Christ. Take some time this week to to read and meditate on Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Friends, remembering Jesus' sacrifice and Jesus' example, remembering the truths of the gospel, that is the path to true humility. And friends, Jesus did, did more than just serve as the example of true humility. He is the only one who could open the path to true humility. He unblocked the path to humility. He made humility possible. He's the only person who ever lived a perfectly humble life and fully submitted to the will of his heavenly father. And while on earth, he fully submitted to the will of his father. And friends, when you repent of your sins and you place your faith in him, it is his humility. It is his righteousness that is transferred into your spiritual bank account. And when that happens, God no longer sees you in light of your prideful rebellion against him that marks each and every one of us. But he sees you through the humility of his son, Jesus Christ. And friends, Jesus grants you his spirit when you repent and believe to enable you to live a humble life. It is not something that we can do in our own strength. First Peter 2.24, he himself Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. We might say that we might live in humility. So brothers and sisters, remember the gospel. Remember your own salvation as you seek to walk down the path of humility. Ephesians 2, 8. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. To return to Paul's words from 1 Corinthians, what do you have that you did not receive? Friends, what did you have that you did not receive? The gospel is the path to true humility. True humility starts by repentance and placing your faith in Jesus Christ. The path to humility continues by remembering the truths of the gospel, by remembering the truths of your salvation. Friends, what is the, the reward of humility? What lies at the end of that path? Well, again, to truly understand humility's reward, we must consider pride's punishment. Proverbs 16, 18, pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. Proverbs 18.12, Before his downfall, a person's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. Proverbs 29.23, A person's pride will humble him, but a humble spirit will gain honor. Friends, pride leads to destruction. Now, as I, as I say that, as I, as I tell you what Proverbs says, that pride leads to destruction, I think it's important for me to explain that these individual sayings, these individual Proverbs, these individual verses that we find in the book of Proverbs, they are not promises. That is not how they are intended to function. Proverbs are, are general principles for godly living. They're general truths about the way the world works. So Proverbs 29, 23, a person's pride will humble him, but a humble spirit will gain honor. That is not a guarantee, it is not a promise that every proud person will be humbled in this life, that something like what happened to King Uzziah is going to happen to them as well. It's not a promise that every humble person will find honor in this life either. Now, the proud are often humbled. There are plenty of people who face their own version of the eruption of Mount St. Helens, There are plenty of King Uzziahs. And just think back to our series in Exodus. Think of Pharaoh and how he was humble. But at the same time, we could probably list several examples of proud people who seem to face no great downfall and no great consequences in this life. There are proud people who seem to prosper. And so, friends, to rightly understand the book of Proverbs and to rightly understand these verses about pride leading to destruction, you need to take the whole Bible into account. You need to know the storyline of Scripture. When you do, you will recognize that lo, though pride does not always lead to destruction in this life, it will certainly lead to destruction in the life to come. The proud will one day face God's terrifying judgment because they never humbled themselves, repented of their sins, and placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Malachi 4.1 For look, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, when all the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble. The coming day will consume them, says the Lord of hosts. The pride will be exposed. The proud will be exposed as fools on God's day of judgment, the day of their destruction. When they stand before the creator, the ruler of the whole world, the judge of the world and recognize that they had sought to exalt themselves above him. And friends, if, if you are here and you are not a Christian, if you have never repented of your sins, asked forgiveness from the Lord, sought to turn from your sins and to live in a different way, if you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as the only one who can save, know that the only way to escape God's terrifying and everlasting judgment is to do those things. The only way to escape an eternity of suffering in hell, to continue down the the path of the fool that leads to destruction, is to humble yourselves now by admitting that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Friends, humility, the the root, the beginning of humility is to admit that you are unworthy of God's love and mercy and to plead for his love and mercy. It is to beg for it, to, to ask forgiveness It is to trust in Jesus alone, not your own efforts, not your own works, not that you can live a good enough life, not that you can be more humble than those around you, and that will earn God's favor. No, it's to trust in Jesus alone for salvation. Friends, the only real humility begins with humility before God. Friends, if you do humble yourself before God, know that you will be met with his grace and his mercy and his love. James 4 6, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Friends, the reward of the humble is that the Lord gives them grace. He gives them favor. He gives them honor. He gives them life. I don't know if you noticed in all those verses we just read from Proverbs that it is the humble who receive what the proud so desperately chase after. The humble get it, they get honor, they get glory. The humble may be honored in this life. Proverbs 22.4, humility, the fear of the Lord, result in wealth, honor, and life. But remember, Proverbs are not promises. The humble are not guaranteed wealth and honor. The Bible is not fundamentally giving you a promise of material blessing. In fact, if you read in the New Testament, you see that the Bible quite often says the exact opposite of that. No, you are promised spiritual blessings if you humble yourselves before the Lord. The goal of Proverbs is to not teach you, first and foremost, how to get ahead in this life, to find rewards in this life, to make your life better. The goal of Proverbs is to teach you how to please the Lord, to fear the Lord, to receive honor from the Lord. So the humble may or may not find honor in this life, but friends, they are guaranteed to find honor in the life to come. That is the true prize. That is the reward of humility. It's an everlasting relationship with the God of the universe. An eternity spent in his presence. First Peter 5 6 humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time. My Friends some honor may come in this life. But the proper time for full honor is the life to come. You will have to wait for the life to come for full honor. We go back to Philippians 2 for a moment and open up your bulletins again. Look at verses 9 through 11. For this reason, because Jesus humbled himself, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, God exalted and honored Jesus' humility, and he will do the same for all those who are united to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. For those who humble themselves to Jesus in faith in this life will one day share in his glory. Friends, the, the path to humility is to walk in the path of your Savior, Jesus Christ. And the reward of humility is to receive eternal life to share in the glory of Jesus Christ forever and ever, to spend an eternity with the God of the universe. God humbles the proud, but God honors the humble. So the wise pursue humility. Let's pray.